Hello and welcome to The Naked Gospel, where we have conversations about sex, singleness, marriage, pornography, and everything in between. We bring on cultural thinkers, parents, important folk, and normal folk alike. I am your host, Shane O'Neill. All of these episodes are available on every major podcast platform. Whether you're listening or watching, do subscribe and continue to track with us. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the episode. Hello, folks. Welcome back to The Naked Gospel. Today, we have a very cool conversation. We are, as of the release of this podcast, days away from uh, Valentine's Day. Um, And I don't know about you. I do know about me and the context I've grown up in. Valentine's Day is typically just kind of like a, like a, it's just, it's entirely secular in my imagination. Um, just a day of romance and love, cards, candy, uh, hearts. Um, but apparently there's a guy named St. Valentine and he has something to do with, uh, Valentine's day and the gospel is described throughout church history as a love story. So we're going to explore some of that. Uh, today we are joined by Ned. What's your, what's your last name? Ned Buster? Bust, Bustard, Bust. just like mustard, but with a B. Perfect. Ah, nice. Okay. I like the association. So Ned, you're a graphic designer and a children's book illustrator. You're an author and a printmaker. Can you, uh, can you expand some of those descriptions of who you are and just tell us in your own words? Uh, yeah. yeah. Something about yourself. No, I, I'm, I'm more than that. I'm also, let's see, I'm a gallery curator and I'm the creative director for Square Halo Books. I'm a board member of ASHA, the, the Association of Scholars of Christianity and the History of Art. I'm also on the board of the Row House, which is a local forum here in Lancaster. I live in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, uh, but I'm not Amish. I actually come from the Philly area. I'm third generation Irish. I really like chocolate and wine, but that really doesn't really play into the book. I didn't include that in the book at all, even though as you said, Valentine's Day is all chocolate and romance. Hmm. And um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, married? one day my, yeah. Um, well, married for 33 years. Um, my wife just died this past year. Bro. So uh, this is the first Valentine's Day without her uh, in 33, 34 years. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, hmm. she actually died on the 14th so uh valentine's day will be um uh 10 months since since i lost her so Ned, i'm uh, so sorry dude yeah yeah well it's it's all part of god's story that he's t- you know telling through my life and um hmm. give him the glory for that uh but it is certainly not a not a pleasant thing and it is ironic to have a, a valentine's day book come out and i dedicated it to her and and to not have her there for the unboxing and um, and to celebrate with this is, is certainly uh, it's very hard. Do you have, um, I suppose for me, Valentine's day left without a plan would leave me kind of just maybe hiding from it and trying to get through it. I, I love like you surely like just working on something about Valentine's day was its own sort of like, uh, therapy, but also the day of. What are you, what are your plans? Like how? What will you do on Valentine's Day? Yeah, I I haven't thought it through. I in the pe- 
uh, I'm very much of a, a gifts person and, and really uh, my wife, Leslie was probably still is the, the most important thing in my life. So I, I would put a lot of energy and thought into gifts for her and what we would be doing on Valentine's day this year. Um, I plan to actually, the only thing I've planned is I, since uh, my daughter and I, we were big, playlist uh people making she makes spotify i make apple so we have a difference of camps in our our playlist making but um i i've made uh i call love and mush uh playlist that i i was working on for the last 30 years all the best love songs hmm. when uh leslie uh died i kept coming across other cool love songs and you know they they would hit me differently so i came up with uh Love and Mush continued. So I'm going to publish my uh, playlist on uh, Valentine's Day with some pictures of us on Facebook or Instagram yeah. or whatever. And yeah. that is about the extent of it. I think uh, I've got another interview about this book um, for that day. And someone just called from church and asked if I could do a, a reading for their school. So maybe I'll do that. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm. I was <laughs> trying to avoid Valentine's Day, uh, but you know, I've got a new book about Valentine's Day, so it's hard to do. Yeah, thank you for uh, thank you for sharing yourself with us. Thank you yeah. for letting me ask too. I uh, I I grew up using drugs. I didn't meet Jesus till I was nineteen, and uh, <clears throat> I just remember some very very lonely. Nights, uh, and one of the things that compelled me compelled me towards Jesus uh, is was just coming to some sort of conviction that loneliness shouldn't exist. You know mm -hmm. that like something is genuinely wrong here, and mm -hmm. that we've I've been exiled from relationship in a way that is integral to like just me as a human being. So I uh, I I. I, I, the gospel for me uh, at its core is companionship. Um, I am humbled and grateful for God's companionship uh, that he's there every morning when I wake up and he's, he's like, it's like, no matter what you go through, I won't ever leave. And, and even anytime you sin, it's now grace always saying, I, my affection for you is greater than that. It's always an example of how how much greater his affection for me is. So I uh, I, I feel I feel especially yeah just just I'm sorry about your buddy you know like that's that's mm -hmm. that's something mm, aching inside me as you say it. Um, how many kids? We have three daughters, and they're all in their mid twenties. Well, nice. well, yeah. By the time this comes out, my eldest will turn thirty. Very cool. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're all great girls and, and I love them. And, uh, I actually, I wanted to do more, uh, saint books. I want to do female saint books so I can dedicate them to the, to the girls. But as of right now, none are, none are in the, in the shoot as it were. So we'll see. Tell us about St. Valentine. Tell us, uh, wh why Valentine's day, why St. Valentine. And I would love to hear what, what St. Valentine, first, tell us who he is. And I'd be interested to know, like, what, what has he given to you through this process? Uh, well, 
I, this is my third book for University Press Kids, uh, third Saint book. I actually have another book with them called uh, The Owen Hope, uh, Lucy Shaw wrote, which I love. Uh, but the first one was Saint uh, Nicholas and then Saint Patrick. And I wanted to then, as I said, I have daughters, I wanted to start doing some female saint books. Uh, but people kept asking me at like book signings, like, when are you going to do St. Valentine? I said, well, I'm never going to do St. Valentine. I have no desire. Like, I, I know nothing about the guy. And uh, then I was talking to our the editor that I work with there at, at university. And she's like, um, our distributor was asking if we had any Valentine Day books. How do you feel about writing a Valentine Day book? And I was like, well, I guess the writing is on the wall. You know, I'm, how, how many times do I have to ignore this calling by God? So I said, all right, I'm, I'll write a Valentine book and uh, didn't know anything. You know, I was in the same boat. Valentine's, I assumed he had something to do with Cupid and uh, chocolate hearts. And that was what I knew about St. Valentine. Uh, looked looked him up. There's a, a, a book called The Golden Legend, which uh, has all these uh stories about the saints so i was able to read about that and then did some more digging and found out we know very very little about saint valentine uh mm -hmm. valentine was a very popular name uh at that time he um if he lived well he there there were all valentines and there were valentines that were martyred for their faith mm -hmm. because uh there were a lot of valentines and you know, the torturing Christians was a, a popular thing to do at the time. But as far as we know, or according to tradition, he uh, was in the, the mid 200s and was from Italy, uh, was a, a priest or a bishop, uh, might have been a physician as well. But uh, the as the story goes, he he was a minister and he would um, he got in trouble because he was basically preaching the gospel which uh, at that time was not good. Um, he was brought in front of a judge and the judge said, why do you do this? You know, you're saying that Jesus is true, prove it. He said, what do you want me to do? And he said, well, heal my blind daughter. Hmm. So as, as the tradition goes, Valentine prayed, he was healed. And he said, now I have something for you to do. You need to go smash all of your idols. Hmm. And the judge was like, okay. So he went and smashed all his idols. And then he and his whole household, uh, forty over 40 people, were then baptized and became believers, which is all great. But then Valentine continues to preach. He also does something, according to tradition, is he, he starts, uh, he gets in trouble because he's, he's uh, officiating at weddings. And uh, as it as a the story says that Claudius um, was opposed to his soldiers being married because they were they would then have a divided affection, and so um, he, he was against that. But of course, as believers, we're like, well, marriage is a good thing, and we need to um, have weddings. Jesus said good, and so we're going to say good. And uh, so he he got in trouble for that. Eventually, came was in front of Claudius. Claudius like. Can we just get along, just worship our gods and, you know, buck up, stick with the system? And he's like, no, no can do. And uh, they threw him back in jail and uh, he was then decapitated uh, on the road to uh, same road that Constantine was on when he saw his vision. Oh, wow. And by, again, you know, all according to tradition. Now, 
they they think that they've got his skull at a cathedral in Ireland and um and all that but we're talking the 200s so mm. i mean not to be suspect but i don't know it's it's a you know i think the story of the church is actually much more crazy and wild than all of that so mm. at very minimum yeah i can i can go with this mm. um yeah so that's that's valentine is he is he formally canonized is he he's a formal formal well see canonized? here's the problem too he was on the, the the list of good good saints and stuff but the catholic church took him off again because there wasn't enough uh <laughs> you know info footage uh we don't, you know we can't we can't prove him um hmm. but i mean he's still he's still on the list of uh, you know holy days um hmm. orthodox has him on a different day than than in uh, the Western church, but he is still, he's on the Anglican list and, and he's still on the list. He just doesn't, I don't know. He's fallen out of favor or something. Uh, I think what, what, what do you have to do to not be a, you know, get unsainted, but he's kind of, kind of a renegade saint. Hmm. I know that phrase, uh, devil's advocate. Do you know the history of that, huh? that phrase? I, I've always, yeah. the history of the phrase is um, that, uh, anytime somebody was put forward uh, for sainthood in the church, um, uh, it was almost like a court case. So there's a cross-examination and somebody was hired to be to disprove why, to basically substantiate why this person shouldn't be a saint. Right, To right. challenge the claim. And that person was called the devil's advocate. Uh, so if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, Christ Christopher Hitchens was the devil's, devil's advocate for uh, Mother Teresa's uh, induction as okay. a saint into the church. Um, and uh, I, well, first off, I've always found that to be interesting. I think what, what's curious about the storytelling is uh, there are a lot of saints on the list, surely with more evidence for uh, to substantiate their life, uh, but they don't have days named after them. So how how is it that somebody with kind of an obscure historical uh biography um i don't know was given his own holiday i can't tell you i hmm. don't know i know that um it was uh spencer i think wrote a, a poem that uh said that that uh birds choose their mates on the 14th of february hmm. their lifelong mates and um and that i think that made then um valentine's uh feast day a little bit more popular because then wow. you get the, the love and romance so uh but again it's it's um uh it's not there's not a lot there and i i did all the research i could now, i mean there's more about valentine that is interesting like he's the uh patron saint for epilepsy which is mm -hmm. kind of interesting and i worked that into the story in a in a subtle way and um and patron saint of beekeepers so there's there's bees on one of the pages. Not that I make a big deal out of it, but there's a lot, there is a lot there and, and there's nothing there. Um, uh, one of the, th because of not having much to go with, I then ended up kind of building the story around uh, the four loves. I'm, I'm a big C.S. Lewis fan. And so I thought, well, let's, I can't avoid love because everyone's going to associate Valentine's Day with love, even though Valentine was not uh, technically, he was not associated with it until later on. But I thought, well, 
I, the four loves, there's plenty to work with there. And, uh, and for kids, I wanted them to, um, understand that there's more to love than just, uh, chocolates and, and romance. Um, obviously I'm a big fan of, of Eros, but we also have Agape and Philia and Storge. Mm. And, uh, for little kids, I think it, it would be good for them to understand that, that they can, they can be big lovers, uh, even if they're not, uh, growing up and and having mm. uh, butterflies in their tummies yeah that is something uh <clears throat> culturally so much of love is so much of our cultural imagination for love is front-loaded into an eros sort of and even mm -hmm. then it's it's eros in an erotic sense as opposed to like a, a sort of like there's m more to eros than just just um uh, carnal, just just physical intimacy, so to speak, um, at least at a historical level. Um, but yeah, like I, I feel that sometimes if I'm speaking to you know, kind of a, a female friend on the side of the street, uh, people driving by, you know, just the assumptions people will make is that, you know, they're they're not friends, you know, right. what, what's going on there, whatever. Um, and so I really like that you are trying to not just... Uh, give kids a different imagination for love, but also inviting them into a practicing love. a love that is accessible to them without uh, having to have a, a pornified imagination. Yeah. Um, can you, it's a can bigger you, love. It I, is. You know, I, yeah. think, I think that that's important. And I think that uh, certainly if we are called by our savior, you know, to love our neighbor, we need to figure out what that means mm -hmm. and, um, and not let, uh, our definitions be, uh, you know, these words be defined by our culture, but let, you know, scripture be defining our, uh, our vocabulary and, and, and staking out the extent of our imagination. Hmm. So you, it's a, it's a children's book. The resource you've created is a children's book. Can you, so four loves, can you just as a, cause it's neat because you didn't just write it. Uh, you wrote it with words and with picture. Uh, can you talk us through maybe just the experience? Because we don't get to talk to a lot of people who, you know, for, for me, like my canvas is like Word document, you know, but like, what is it like to uh, write with words and with picture uh, and to do it in such a way that you're sharing it with somebody else? Well, I think that for me, the the storybook uh, aspect, the, the getting to write the story as a picture book gives me a lot more freedom uh, that I know that I can put things into the story that you will get and understand without words. And I just, I love Easter eggs. I love putting all the, the meaning and symbolism I can into something. Um, as a graphic designer, I love doing logos and I just like putting as much meaning into those as possible so when i come to writing the story i'm like well i've got these words and that's great but i also have pictures and i'm going to throw everything i can into uh the storytelling and and make the story as rich and deep as i can uh without uh without feeling those limitations so uh at one point there's a, a spread where i'm talking about the uh basically 
Valentine taking care of folks who uh, are epileptic because he's the patron saint of epilepsy. And on that page, I've got a uh, a picture of a statue, and it's a it's a uh, seahorse hippocampus uh, because hippocampus is part of the brain that affects epilepsy. And so for a long time, the seahorse was a symbol for epilepsy. And then I also on the little column that the hippocampus is sitting on, I have the symbol for the planet Neptune. So I've got all this stuff in there that that you don't know um, and you probably aren't going to pick up on, but it's there. And I I really love that the freedom and the the. Uh, I guess it's a puzzle aspect of it. Like how much can I cram into this with, that, that people don't know? Uh, like I said, there's, there's bees in there because he was the patron saint of beekeepers. Hmm. I, yeah. I don't know why, but he is. So, hmm. um, and of course there's, there's, you know, uh, guys, folks getting married and, and all different kinds of things. And, oh, you know, and four friends. loves and four colors. Yeah. And that was another fun thing to do is, when you look at the cover of the book, he's uh, there's Valentine walking around with some Valentine uh, like cards, uh, scrolls in his hand because it's it's that time period. But I have red and white and blue and green hearts on the cover. And that's a, uh, one of those things that I, I work throughout the book so that when I'm talking about friendship love, it's true blue hearts. And when I'm talking about natural love, it's green hearts, you know, go with uh, growth and, and plants. And then the white hearts are uh, the love of God. So holy and, and all that. And then the red, obviously for Eros and Valentine's Day. So um, that's, again, one of those things that's in there. Most people aren't going to get it uh, until maybe the third time through. And they'll be like, yeah, there's got to be a reason for this. This is kind of weird. And uh, I just think that that's a lot of fun to to give people those, those return um experiences when when they're going through my stories oh, there's also sure. a, a little mouse that appears in this book that started in the saint saint nicholas book because there's a legend that saint nicholas lived in a as a hermit in a cave uh, near jerusalem and uh was focused on a life of prayer and he became befriended a, a mouse who was looking for a husband so he helped the mouse find a husband and uh, so I included that in that book. And then when I got to the the Patrick book, I'm like, oh, it would be fun to get him back in. Or, well, her, I guess. And then, uh, you know, by the time I got to this third book, I was like, well, the mouse has to be in there or I'm going to disappoint all my hordes of fans, you know. I love that. Okay. So there's some um, thematic consistency across mm -hmm. the books. The, the kind-hearted. Can you, why, so it's St. Valentine, the kind heart, it's title of the book. Um, why that word? Well, uh, the first book is St. Patrick, no, St. Nicholas, the the giver, hmm. I think. <laughs> I'm blanking Saint out. St. Nick, Christmas, that makes sense. St. Nicholas, the giver. The, no, St. Nicholas, the gift giver. Hmm. I'm sorry. It's been a couple of years since I wrote that one. St. Nicholas, the gift giver. And then I have St. Patrick, the forgiver. And so when we got to St. Valentine, he had to be the something. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm, you know, making sub uh, kind of subtitles for all these kind hearted was again, going at this idea of love that's not limited to arrows. So um, 
I, throughout the story, I just show him being just kind to people. Like there, I, I mentioned the epilepsy. Um, so he, he's just taking, he's praying for this person who's having an epileptic fit. Uh, he's sitting around a table with friends, enjoying a meal together. And I liked that. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of different things when you look at his life, even the the limited stuff that we know is that there is there is a boldness in in his in his faith and in how he's 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 out there for the truths of of the gospel. But overall, there's there's just this this I don't know concern. I mean, even the miracle is it's a it's to heal a blind girl. So there's there's just a I think a a generosity there that kind of fits with the the kind-hearted. Yeah, I, f I feel that. That is true. And it would be, you know, a subtext, but I think it's important because a lot of our uh, even imagination culturally for sexual relations is about taking, you know, it's about pleasure. Mm -hmm. It is about the orgasm. It's about what you get. Um, it's about taking, it's about demanding, it's about it's we've made it about rights, you know. Yeah, well, um, well, yeah, and I for me that's very important that we invert that. Uh, I have a book called uh, Ordinary Saints, and it's a collection of essays. And I wrote a whole chapter on lovemaking, and basically the whole premise is this is about giving. If you look through, through scripture, this is a, this is about giving, not taking, and um, and that's okay. just a, a you know soapbox of mine that that I think that we yeah relationally it's like well what 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 did my spouse do for me i'm like well yeah you can think that way but that's that's a relationship killer and it's not a christian way to think about being in relationship yeah that's that's solid so uh i, I would actually like to unpackage that a little bit more um because that was a paradigm shift for me about instead of demanding and taking it's about giving and receiving because there's real humility in receiving what someone else wants to give you as well oh, yeah. um and there's a lot of pride in resisting uh it and we you know it's we mask it as humility you know it's humble to to yeah, say you're no. right it's yeah. pride it's complete yeah. pride oh yeah. yeah well that's the thing early in uh, my marriage with Leslie, I re read the book a severe mercy by Sheldon van Auken. I don't know if you've yeah. read that yeah. um but I, it was just, it was just a huge, huge thing for me. And the one, well, one of the takeaways with that book is he talks about love and the idea of loving the person enough to ask for a glass of water in the middle of the night. Wow. And I think that that is, for me, that was like, okay, this is the way to think about love. I'm going to love this person enough to ask for something rather than love, loving being requiring that from someone. But uh, then a flip side of, you know, you talk about receiving uh, in the wake of my wife's death. We, you know, a lot of folks want to come and give us meals and stuff. And I've gotten tired of that, not because I'm tired of eating, but I'm tired of, of the humility that's required to receive a gift. And, you know, I, I said, I'm, I'm about giving, I love giving gifts, but to receive a gift is really, really hard because you have to um, be willing to to be on the, the getting end and you're at someone's mercy in that way. Um, you know, I, I don't want to be at the mercy of people who are going to make food for me that has mushrooms in it. Like that, <laughs> I, I don't want mushrooms. I don't want broccoli. And you're going to give this to me. 
and I have to receive that. So, you know, that's a gift I don't want, but then I also don't want to have to want you to give me a gift. I don't want to be in that position where you have to be like, oh, I got to take care of poor Ned, uh, you know, because it is pride. I want to be self-sufficient enough. I'm an American, you know, I, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps and uh, I don't need you, but that's not really what, what the gospel is. The gospel is you have no idea how much you're in need. And uh, even if you start thinking through it, you're never going to get to understand that to a you know complete way. And even uh, I see this in myself and in people around me that there's a, what's embedded in my understanding culturally uh, of pity is pathetic. Right. And, and that's not true. It's like, oh, I don't want, I don't want your pity, you know, because like in my head, it's like, I don't want you to like, what do you think I'm pathetic? Like in, in there's indignation at that. And, and that's just not true. I, I actually remember the first time I saw pity on my wife's face for me in my mental health with depression. And I, it was two years ago, and I it it's it's still a, a treasure. It's a treasure to me. Uh, it was actually kind of a, a groundbreaking moment in our marriage. Uh, yeah, I needed that. It was it was medicine in our marriage. So I I imagine that would be at play. That would be at play for me. That's always at play. It's like it's a a virtue to reject. Um, uh, thank thank you for sharing and playing that out. I I just got lost in this tangent. So giving and receiving um, and kind-heartedness. So there's this hospitality kind of feel to it. There's generosity. Uh, there's also kind of personhood and welcome. It's not just like transactional. It's it's relational. There's that feel to it as well. Um, well, hospitality was always something uh, key for my wife and I and and working that 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 form of love out for people. Uh, a lot of it was based initially off of uh, reading a book called Real Love for Real Life by Andy Ashworth, which I recommend to everyone. But it it um it kind of formed and shaped who we were as a couple. And then I'm an elder in my church. And one of the requirements for being an elder, according to scripture, is to show hospitality. And that's it is one of those things that that, again, we associate love with eros. We associate hospitality with Martha Stewart. And I think that, that all these things are, um, it's not that they're wrong, it's just that they're small. Yeah. And when you start thinking about hospitality in a biblical sense, it, yes. I mean, you're, the vistas are just open so wide. And again, it's, it's this aspect of how do I love someone? And, you know, hospitality is, is a story love. It's, it's a filial love. Uh, it can be an agape love. Uh, so it's what we're called to do. And um, uh, I think that's really the challenge for us as believers to kind of preach that to each other and say, yes. Let, let's let's have a big idea of what love is. Let's have a big idea of what hospitality is and, and all these things. Yeah, because biblically- You said hospitality and that, that was always a, a big yeah. deal in our, our household. And No, it is a big deal. It's because it's a big deal in scripture too. Uh, yeah. uh, e evangelism is is- actionably described as hospitality. Um, and I, I think a lot of people, myself included, have like been intimidated by the word evangelism because it's like, okay, like know your apologetics and whenever you're with a stranger, like have all the answers. 
And I, I really, uh, Rosaria Butterfield, uh, mm -hmm. just the, the yep. title of her book, right? The gospel comes, the kingdom comes with the house key. The gospel comes with the house key. Um, yeah. th that imagination where it's like, yeah, like I, I, I won't just share my ideas with you. And I won't just like, love doesn't mean giving you what you think you don't need. I'm going to bludgeon you with truth. It's like, you know, like being uncomfortable, uh, by maybe looking like an idiot. It's like, no, like what? it's expense, you know, it's like, Hey, like, will you come and spend time? It's like giving your time, you know, like yeah. giving your presence. And I remember the first time I, I was, I was sitting with a friend once and I was just asking him a lot of, I just found him interesting. So I was asking him a lot of questions about being a dad and a husband. And at a certain point, he just like, uh, it's just like just our first time meeting. And he just, he just touched, touched my hand with his hand, just kind of like Patty's like, Hey, uh, do you want to meet them? You know, mm -hmm. do you want to, do you want to come and see? Right, Jesus' invitation. Come and see. Uh, that was years ago, and he's one of my best friends. You know, uh, I've learned so much more since then. Um, so I really love evangelism as hospitality, and so I like what you're hitting on. Hello, this episode is sponsored and brought to you by you. The Naked Gospel interviews the guests that listeners request. We pursue the themes and topics that you want explored. And we ask the questions that you want asked. The first link in the show notes will allow you to join the Disruptor Initiative. Becoming a Disruptor allows you to request who we invite on, and you're notified about upcoming guests each month so that you can send in the questions you want explored. We don't believe in having isolated conversations simply to stimulate or satisfy curiosity. We are pursuing the abundant life that Jesus came, died, and resurrected to give us. And we want to do that together as parents, as grandparents, in marriage and singleness. We want to disrupt the messages and the loneliness we see all around us through the friendship and kingship of Jesus. So if there are any topics that are important to you, areas you want to learn more about, people you want us to have on, themes you wished Christians explored or questions you wish you could ask, check out the link below and help shape this podcast and the kind of resource that you and your community are most looking for. Not to mention that you get sweet swag like a naked gospel coffee mug. Click on the link in the show notes to join and learn more. And now let's get back to our current conversation. Um, so you've written some stuff on sexuality, like you were saying earlier that you did uh, kind of a Bible, um, a Bible project where you actually went through like the the rape and the violation passages, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, which is awesome because in like even the church, the church reading for the church calendar, like all, all those passages are, they're, they're, they're not included, you know? Um, so I really love that you did that. And I've never heard a sermon on those passages ever. So I, I, that's amazing. Um, but you've spent time, you've spent time with sexuality, you know, you like imagining it for adults, for kids, uh, writing it, imaging it. Um, what would you say is maybe a, a vision for sexuality that you long for believers, for the church to have, I think since purity culture We've been scared, maybe rightly mm -hmm. so in a lot of ways, to have any sort of sexual kind of cultural ethic. Um, and we're so scared that we're, you know, really quick to see the loopholes in anything that's suggested. 
so maybe what and because of that there's a vacuum and like porn is in the church as much outside oh, yeah. of the church yeah. so just like what what do you long to see i'd love to hear well yeah the the book you references uh called revealed a storybook bible for grown-ups and it it deals with a lot of a lot of these things because i i often say beauty is my protest that that i'm not one of these folks who i'm not going to go out on twitter or x or whatever we're calling it now or or uh i'm not going to pick it or yell at people online what i'm going to do is i'm going to make art about it and and i want to make art that is is a is the not against something, but for something. I want to create yes, art that so says that this is the good thing. And so um, I'm actually like a, working... a positive vision and not just. Yeah. Don't well, cause, yes. Yeah. Like I was in a church and I loved it growing up, but they had broken off from another church for, I think, legitimate reasons, but they never got beyond. We're not them. And I think that any time that you are trying to make an argument for something in the negative, You've really lost that. I mean, at some point you have to say, well, yeah, um, uh, an apple is not a pear. Uh, so you know, there are an aspect of that. But I think that instead of doing an apple is not a pear, I want to say an apple is an apple. And let me tell you how great an apple is. And I think that that's what I want to see with sexuality. Um, it's why I wrote the essay on lovemaking, the, the revealed book. I've been working on a book about um, – an illustrated annotated song of Solomon and whether that'll get to uh, whether that'll be printed or not. But that's something that I've been, been working on. And again, with the revealed is all of these things to, to kind of craft a, uh, a beautiful vision, because I think uh, human sexuality is, is uh, an amazing gift from God. One of the first gifts, you know, that, that we can bring glory to God through this and, and understand how we're loved by God through that. So those are really, those are a passion. Like, what would that be? I don't know. I think it's more of what I want to see accomplished. Like I want to see with all the, the, the twisted kind of uh, the twisting and, and the belittling and the, the, um, the robbing of glory that happens in our culture around sexuality. I want to see that stop. I want to reclaim ground and say, your idea of sex is too small. And, you know, there's that, that book, you know, your idea of God is too small. I think that your view of sex is too small. You're, you're reducing it to this little thing. I mean, I was just look, looking at some, a music video this morning and I was like, oh, like, this is what your idea of sexuality is. Like, I feel sorry for you. And, mm -hmm. and then again, that we define ourselves by sexuality, like that is a problem to me as well. I'm like, no, like you are <laughs> made in the image of God. Let's start there sexuality is something that you've been given it's a great gift and it's a gift that can show us um truths about uh who we are to god and and as part of the church we're the bride like there's there's all those things are wrapped up into it but um i was probably leading up to something some great point and now i'm i've, I've lost no, this is I perfect I, I wanted to stream animated by it yeah. this is no this is good uh um Ned, i'd be curious uh I had a, I have a, a friend. She's dear to me. Uh, just like two years into marriage, her husband tragically passed away, mm. and mm. I recall during that time a lot of uh, so a lot of my friends were married, and their wives 
didn't want their husbands to spend time with this this widow because they were afraid like hey she just lost her husband and so like she's going to be well up with she's going to want intimacy she's going to want affection she's not going to have like discernment so there was this kind of general concern and i remember it got to the point where like she actually like had to articulate she's like I, I won't sleep with any of your husbands but i really really need some men in my life that like okay. can give okay. me like a hug or like listen to me because I, I feel really alone and female companionship isn't the only like the only medicine i need right now yeah. uh and so when, even when it comes to i think friendship um as a part of our even maybe se sexual ethic can you speak to yeah yeah no absolutely that that that, <laughs> that is so huge because I think that, again, we've reduced love to eros. So the idea that I can love you as a friend does not compute anymore. Um, uh, I, have, I have several dear friends that are women. And, and you have that, that kind of pushback where you're like, are you, allowed to, are you allowed to hug that person? I'm like, yeah, she's my friend. That, th this is a legitimate love. And... And if you take that love from me, then now I'm impoverished and you're impoverished too. Yeah, um, uh, Wesley Hill has some great stuff about friendship. Love uh, has a whole book about it. Um, and I think that, again, I think this is a calling for the church that we, we need to look at how do, how are we going to love single people in our church? Like all three of my daughters are single right now. Um, I haven't seen anybody who I think is worth them getting married to. So, you know, they need, they need some mm. intimate relationships that are friend relationships. Mm. I have three, uh, two guys that I meet with uh, once a week from church. And, uh, and um, one is obsessed with shoes and the other one is, is a musician and I'm an artist. So we're like, <laughs> if you want classic stereotypes of homosexuality, we fit that. Now we're all, all three married, but I, I often think if folks look at us, they would say, "Oh, those guys are hugging each other, and they're they're um, just just a little too. They sit too close." And it's like, no, you know why? Because Philios, we're loving each other. We're loving each other really, really well. Mm. And I think that that's something that we need to um, really think about and say, "How can I be intentional in you know my care groups, small groups at church to love people?" Um, uh, my wife and I had a, a dear have a dear friend who who uh, she was divorced like 20 years ago. She needs a guy to just hug her, and she she would say that the men at our church were her strong allies. That that we we came and 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 hugged her and, and gave her worth because she felt that she had no worth. And mm -hmm. I think that this is the same kind of thing. We need to, but th that kind of you have to think that through because everyone around you is saying love is eros, and if you hug someone. You want to have sex with them rather than than well, maybe we need to think outside the outside the box that we're given to what a biblical understanding of friendship could be, because I think that could revolutionize uh, the church and really the 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 message of the church to our culture. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I, lo I love all of that. I have this I have this friend. Uh, she's a big sister in my life. She's married. She has kids and uh, beautiful woman. Um, she, uh, you know, over the years I've had, you know, I've hu hugged her 
hundreds of times, you know? Um, and it occurred to me, it was a couple months ago, I realized that uh, she's never been the first person to ever let go of a hug. She's only ever let go when she can sense that I'm letting, when I'm done. Hmm. I was just like, holy smokes. And I started like testing that, you know, it's like, oh, <laughs> like you know, it's like, wow. Like, you know, and I'm pushing it longer, longer. I'm like, wow. Like she, she's totally committed to this. And I know that she, like nothing about this is erotic. Like she has affection for me. And the reason this is blowing my world apart is because it's never been a part of my world, you know, like every, it's just like, oh, well, like that's too long, you know, like that's yeah. It's yeah. clearly like if it's affectionate, it's erotic, which is to your point, right? Where we front load it, affection. Yeah, everything's it, eros. Yeah. yeah, it has to play out this way. It has mm -hmm. to play out this way. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's really, it's really good. Ned. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. I, I love this conversation. Thank you for allowing it to go in all sorts of directions because I think so I was hoping it was going to go this way. When I good. saw what your what your podcast was about, I'm like, I have so much to say about this that is beyond a, a 32 page kids book. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. Well, if I'm uh, not a parent listening to this, is really really helpful. And if I'm a parent listening to this, it's like, okay, like what what is the context around the book that I'm going to get and read to my kids? You know, like and being able to then embed that at, in each reading and as they grow, it would be it would be helpful for me. Regardless. Um, yeah, along okay. those lines, I have a, a friend who I, I do uh, uh, printmaking, and I've got a, a piece that I did recently uh, that is all the women from uh, Matthew 1, from the, the genealogy of Christ. And of course, it's it's not <laughs> it's a questionable lot from, you know, if, if everything is Eros. You know, well, we, we've got someone who is a prostitute. Yes, we have someone who slept with her father-in-law. We have someone who was, well, raped by the king. You know, and and um, and I show them that way in this this piece. Uh, it's called Mothers of God. Uh, it's the uh, it's the the Greek theo theokois. I don't know. I, I don't speak Greek, but that's what it's called. It's basically Mothers of God. And uh, a friend at church wanted to buy it from me. And I'm like, well, you know, it, it, it's pretty racy, you know, because I there's pieces that I make that I'm like, yeah, no one's ever going to hang that on their wall. And this was one of them. And he said, no, I want to have this because I want to show my sons what this looks like wow. for a Christian to view women <clears throat> in in a way that that's redemptive yeah. and to be able to handle this idea that yes she is naked but i this is not an this is not an opportunity yes. for errors for you this yeah. is an opportunity for uh, agape and yeah. philos you know yeah. there yeah. there's a lot of ways to love this woman eros is not one of them yeah because you're not married to her yes. and but we don't have a framework <laughs> in which to do that for for mm -hmm. folks so i really admired well, I mean, I was glad that he, he is hanging his, my artwork in his house, but that he's using it as a tool in that way, because it's something I never considered when I was making that work. I was more uh, thinking just about praising these women in, in the genealogy of Christ. But uh, to have him say, yeah, this is going to be a tool for me to teach my sons how to think about, um, you know, loving women in, in their world, I thought was just fantastic. You don't have like a, a copy of that right beside you by chance, do you? Oh no, not right beside me. Uh, I would if, love. If I, would I love had thought about it, I could. I'll uh, send it to you. You can. See I would it. be rad. If you yeah. don't ever send it, then I won't. No, hold no, it I'm going to send it. Do, I'll I'm be real happy. It. 
I'm always happy. To, well, it, you can see it's on my Instagram account and it's also on my Facebook account. So okay, okay. it's out there if okay. I forget. Uh, cool. But I cool. won't forget. I'll, tra I'll track it down. Um, yeah. Get the so many thoughts. Um, my wife is uh, about to be a nurse practitioner with a, a focus in midwifery. Um, and so she'll be able to have, uh, um, you know, exclusive authority in hospitals during births and she'll be able to do births at home. Um, I think a home birth, like for, you know, thousands of years, that's just how people did it. You know, it was, it was communal, like it was, it wasn't just, um, it wasn't like a, like a, a medical condition, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I, I say all this because, uh, a friend asked Kaylee to be a part of her home birth, uh, a year or two ago, and she let me come, um, and beholding, uh, a woman and a woman's body, uh, that is hardly, hardly dressed, um, uh, hardly clothed, um, and not erotic, but so like glorious, powerful, like as close to godlike as as any human being can yeah, get. Yeah, you're giving you life. Know? Yeah. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. crazy cool. But that was a huge renovation moment for me uh as I've continued to heal from the you know pornographic damage mm -hmm. of my own imagination and my own uh assumptions, relational assumptions. That was that was huge for me. And I was just like, wow, like I you know, I do. I wish I'd had those sorts of opportunities growing up, you know, just as a little guy. Um, to see the female body as powerful and marvelous and not sexual, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I, a parallel to that, I, I obviously I went to art school and uh, <laughs> one of the things that we you have is life drawing. And uh, as a Christian growing up, you know, I, I'm, you know, not looking at naked bodies. That's, you know, that's wrong. And, yeah. uh, and when I did, uh, come across porn. I realized that that was a sin. And so I was really scared going into this life drawing class. And then you start drawing and you realize there's nothing sexual about this at all. Mm. That, uh, and it's, it, you know, art students who often joke like, yeah, if, if you're, if you're turned on, you're obviously not doing the work because, because uh. it's all about, um, you know, spatial relationships. And you're looking at mm. this uh, person as a person. Yeah. Like they, they, it's this complete thing, uh, that you're experiencing and, and it's, it's just the most amazing thing. And I remember, uh, you know, my Christian fellowship group in college, they thought, well, oh, Ned's being naughty because he's drawing naked bodies. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you have no idea because you've reduced, yeah. well, not you've reduced society has reduced a naked body to you to being yeah. pornography. Yeah. And you know, that. Uh, you know, I do, I have nudity in my artwork just to confront that. And like mm -hmm. I mentioned, Ed Nippers earlier, that's why he did all, you know, that's why he paints the way he does. Cause he says, I'm taking the body back, mm -hmm. uh, that, that this is, this is not, this is not a pornography thing. And for you, for you to do reduce the naked body to just pornography is robbing it of glory. Mm -hmm. And, um, just not going to stand for it. Hmm. Yeah, I know Christopher West with Theology of the Body. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. 
He's he's really big on saying it's not that we have an overly over sexualized culture, but an over pornified culture. Mm -hmm. um, and he's trying to make that distinction that that it's you know, it's it's actually that we uh, we understand sexuality too little. Right. Um, it's yeah. kind of an under sexualized yeah. culture and over pornified. Um, and I've heard massage therapists describe what you're talking about, about, um, you know, just like they're handling the body, you know, and and is, they always get the question, you know, especially in, in Christian schools, like, is do you ever get turned on? Is there ever that fear? Um, that sort of thing. And, uh, and for them, it's it's interesting to see because, uh, you know, a big part of their journey has been realizing that. Um, you know, when you're handling somebody over and over and over again, there is a desexualizing that takes place, but that doesn't mean it's a, a dehumanizing, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, and that's been really cool because they are honoring the body, literally tending to wounds and bruises and hurts, you know? Mm -hmm. And I imagine very similar because you as an artist, it's like, okay, what, you know, what what is glorious about this? Let me describe this with what I've got and learn how to mm -hmm. do that well. And uh, and that doesn't mean just because you're 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 focusing so closely on something that you're emphasizing the sexual aspects of it. Um, I would be curious. So naked gospel, the whole like this podcast, you know, um, like the counter image to pornography in a pornographic culture, pornified culture is uh, <laughs> a naked man dying on a cross for you. You know, like yeah. n nothing will sober your heart and humble you and reform you than like beholding that image, you know? Yeah. Um, even when I do it in my imagination, apart from any. But like you said earlier, uh, in the renditions that we have, we misrepresent them, mispresent them. And I've never seen a, a, a you know, a rendition of the cross where Jesus is naked, but he was mm -hmm. naked. They were humiliating oh, yeah. him, you know? Um, so I would love to hear your thoughts just about the, the okay, so it's kind of two-pronged. One, um, the cross, just, just talking about the, the nudity of the cross. And two, um, thou shall have no, uh, what is it? Like idolatry, graven image, you know, of, mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. God. And in Protestant circles, especially, um, image is anathema. Like I was even having a conversation with, uh, the, the president of, of Wheaton and as he was forming a theology of beauty and I was just like, Hey, like, yeah, he's got a you... great book art for God's sake. Yeah. yeah and I, I just asked you like, mm -hmm. we're not, I just like, we're not talking about like, like, like just having, just having the reality that thinking of God could be pretty, right? Like a beautiful conception, mm -hmm. right? Like, mm -hmm. is there any, like, like we are embodied creatures and we like the incarnation is God coming in body. So like, yeah. I don't want to disincarnate Jesus, you know, and I don't want to live in a disincarnate life. So can you speak to image? But most of the church wants to. Yeah. 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 So image in spiritual formation, spiritual discipline, and just the impact of image. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you alluded to the second commandment. That was one of those things, uh, Growing up in the church, growing up in Christian school, um, there really wasn't, at least in my tribe, there wasn't room for art from a Christian perspective. Now, my mom was an artist, and she encouraged me to make art, but I also was the grandson of a, a minister, uh, and from the pulpit, you're not going to hear uh, about the glories of art, at least, you know, and, and the Christian school I went to, there wasn't that that aspect so it, for me it was a 
in college and then years after trying to develop a theology of art and faith. And one of the keys is is this the graven image thing. And and I think that it's important to read all that in context and realize that what they're talking about in uh, what God is saying in, in he's saying you should have no other gods before me. And when you're in worship, don't don't make idols. You know, don't don't create these graven images that everyone around you is doing it. I know everyone is doing this. You should not do this. And that's what um, uh, that that commandment is about. And then, you know, we talk about the visual uh, representation of Christ. Again, Ed Nippers uh, in, in the book Objects of Grace, he talks about the fact that it's only because of Christ that we can really have the arts. That, that and and you look at um, you know the history of art, how you know you'd have the gods, you'd have these 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 idols, but then not much else beside that. And then you have Christianity is saying that well, God came in flesh, and now you know well you look at at uh, uh, the whole Dutch Reformed, you, just the the beauty of the ordinary man around you, and and mm. and this becomes part of not only the Christian view of, of humanity, but also the, the view of Western art that now this is all part of, it's not just, we're not just making deities that we worship uh, out of stone or, or um, mosaics or whatever we would do, but that this is a new, a new way to create art. And it really, um, it, it affirms the, the, our humanity and, and who we are as um, being made in the image of God. These mm -hmm. are all, um, key things in in a really a christian world view mm -hmm. um but again you know you've got the church and we you know we we all know what jesus looks like he's got brown hair blue eyes he's got a red sash across him like the church is not scared of of um of really uh this kind of of breaking the second commandment in a way that that we've we've created these these ideas of who um who God, you know, God looks like he's got a long beard. Like we, we have, again, we've truncated as we've truncated sexuality. We also have truncated our ideas of, of, um, of who Jesus is uh, visually. And mm -hmm. I think that that that's often something that I, I try to push up against. Like I, I got my kids a, a storybook Bible when they were little that I loved because Jesus didn't have have white skin and blue eyes like and he had a big nose like he looked like he came from israel hmm. like it, it it was i He's think it was an eastern. niv hmm. yeah 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 and i was like and so when i'm making artwork i'm always trying i'm like how middle eastern can i make jesus look because yeah. i want him to not be um irish you know yeah. <laughs> or, or you know or scandinavian or, or what have you and uh Yes, yeah, so that that's important to me when I think about art because I think that that when I'm making art, I am helping people's theology mm. or hurting it. So I, you know, I, I take that very seriously, trying to figure out how to um, how to portray things in a way that's going to inform them. Because um, we are going to have, you know, we are we're visual people. You are going to have something in your imagination. Mm. If I say pink elephant, something is going to pop into your head. Uh, you don't have to draw a picture of it. You can have never seen it before, but there's there's something in your head. So the same thing happens, you know, theologically that mm. you can't not think about what Jesus looks like. 
because uh, he came in the flesh. He's a person. He is a Middle Eastern person. I was I was wrestling. Uh, last week, I found myself wondering if the kind of the basis for imagination is experience. Um, sure, we can imagine all sorts of things, but can we, you know, imagine something that we haven't experience so i can imagine all sorts of different trees but it's because i've seen a tree you know mm-hmm. and we uh we have experience we, we we know the world through our senses mm-hmm. um and you know pornography is so captivating and uh you know it, going to the the gym can be more i just like revealing about the body for men and women than just yeah it's crazy and i i hear people you know, like people have a hard time getting away from pornography and we are culturally shaped by, you know, Netflix and other streaming services. And they're also visually experientially pregnant. And it it is wild to me that, uh, you know, it's like spiritual formation is so much about meditation, yet attending a home birth, you know, had more ramifications upon my spiritual formation than, you know, any pretty idea you know mm-hmm. ever has uh so i really appreciate what you're sharing and i think that it has genuine purchase on the jesus way you know like actually following jesus in a way that gives abundant life yeah, so, yeah. well we believe in the incarnation i mean it's 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 central to our faith and that is a game changer mm-hmm. uh when you think about our our bodies um yeah oh ned okay this is a big conversation dude all right so recalibrating some uh a hope for this book what's a, a hope. what's a hope yeah what's like uh when you pray for jesus to use this book uh What's that look like? Well, one thing is I, I hope that then people will go buy the Patrick and the ne- Nicholas book because they like mm-hmm. this one so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I really do want to do more of these books. And like I said, I've got three daughters. I want to do at least three female saints. And yeah. um, so, I, you know, I, I would, of course, love for people to just buy the book because uh, um, illustrating kids' books is a relatively new thing for me. So it's it's a, a fun thing that I'd like to do more of. So, uh, you know, on a base level, crass level, I guess, I, I would like that. As far as the this book itself, um, I, <laughs> I don't put it in the, the words, but basically everything we've been talking about is is in this book. Like, it, I want people to have a beautiful idea of what love is. Hmm. And I think that that, I mean, all these books are very Christ-centered, and I and I certainly like. I imagine Saint Valentine and Saint Patrick and Saint Nicholas all saying, "Okay, if there's going to be a book about me, let's look at Jesus. Let mm-hmm. let this book point you to Jesus." So ultimately, I want that. I want to bring glory to Christ in that way. Uh, but if there's a way that that kids can think about the beauty of love in these four different ways, um, and that if this helps them start to form ideas of of what friendship love is and what what uh what storge is you know i can love my dog and this is a good thing that god has given you the the ability to and that yeah falling in love and getting married is a great thing Mm -hmm. and um uh 
that all of these things are gifts from God, that that, shoo, that's a lot to, that's a lot of pressure to put on a 32 page book, but yeah. that's certainly be what I would hope is yeah. that, is that there, there'd be this, an opportunity for conversations about love and let's talk about what love is hmm. um, instead of what, who was it? Uh, TLC was it let's talk about sex baby I want I want to talk about love baby that's what I want to do and and let's 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 point them to that Ned we always end with two questions one is how can people track with what you're doing and mm -hmm. how can we be praying for you uh tracking me uh I'm most often on Instagram probably an unhealthy amount, but, uh, as an artist, I'm always like, well, I got to put more pictures out there. And so that's the easiest way. Uh, folks can also find me on Facebook. Uh, they can look at my, my, uh, graphic design company, worlds and images, worlds and images.com, uh, square halo books.com. I creative director for this book publishing company. We turned 25 last year and, uh, we'd encourage people to do that. There, I also have square halo gallery, which there's an Instagram account that folks can, can look at that. Uh, those are the easiest ways I think to follow me as far as what to pray for. Uh, you know, obviously I shared at the beginning, I, I'm, I'm in a season of grief and uh, pray that, that I would uh, um, not get consumed by that and, you know, and, and be able to um, uh, really I don't know, point people to Christ and, and the work that he's doing. The the whole season of death and dying for uh for me with my wife and, and our, our family, uh, my kids would all often talk about many miracles that we got to see God's work in really big ways through my wife's death. And she has uh she had a book, uh, two books come out, and then uh this this month, um I have another book coming out of her her collected poetry and essays. So I'm hoping that that people will I, I, that's my work now, I think, in a lot of ways is is allowing her legacy to really blossom. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm hoping to to uh, to be able to do that and not just be consumed by grief and loss. Hmm. Um Oh, yeah, there's so many things. Uh, daily bread, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. just opportunity to do more, more uh, work. Uh, um, and this conference, the podcast is coming out before uh, Valentine's Day, which is good. We, I have a conference coming up. I mean, another just kind of little prayer is uh, no. Now that you ask, you said just one thing. But I'm just going to keep going. Yeah, uh, we Square Halo Books has uh, a conference every year that my wife. Uh, it was her. Uh, vision and so i'm really praying that this next one it's it's in march march 8th and 9th it's called return to narnia we're uh focusing on the chronicles of narnia that 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 is well attended because i i want for my wife's uh, legacy i want her vision to keep growing and keep blessing people and um uh so i'd like i would like it to be sold out it's a silly little thing but i, I it, would, it would mean a lot to me to know that that her yeah her vision is going to continue to grow hmm. Hmm. well uh, some of my favorite some of the moments where i most appreciate god uh are when he answers the prayers i thought were too insignificant <laughs> yes. to even pray yeah you know? yeah no uh, it's true it's true yeah, yeah. it's like ah oh, you thanks like thanks for caring yeah. you know like that's yeah 
had nothing to do with my survival or <laughs> the spread of the gospel through the nations. No, no, you know, it's just you. for his glory. That's yeah. all. Yeah. And you're good. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, Ned, thanks for joining us. Thanks for sharing your hopes and your hurts. And uh, thanks for nerding out and exploring. I really, I mean, the prayer before this was that we would, that we would play in the kingdom. And I, I very much feel like we did that. And I personally feel like I'm walking away, um, I guess, to continue the metaphor, uh, when I play physically uh, with my body, then my body actually likes it and grows. It's stronger for it. So I feel like that spiritually that I'm walking away a little bit more childlike. Uh, so thank you for coming and playing and hanging with us and giving yourself to us. Uh, I appreciate this opportunity. Like I said, I was really excited to be on the show. So um, mm. thank you for that. It's a gift. gift. Oh, while I have you on the spot, while this is being recorded, uh, come back on in the future and and for the the, the uh, severing sever. What was the uh, revealed? <laughs> That's it. Revealed. Yes. The, yeah. <clears throat> uh, the storybook for adults. Storybook Bible for grownups. Yeah, that that uh, it's it's actually going into its second edition. And that's uh, going to come out very soon. It's revised and expanded. Uh, so there's more more of those crazy stories from the Bible. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah so. I'd love, love to have a conversation with fun. you about that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, I've got it on the record. It's a date. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Folks, um, a link to Ned's book will be down below, as well as a link to all the ways that you can get connected with what he's doing. Um I wouldn't want somebody who's not a parent to kind of just like move past this resource that he's made because I am an uncle. I have nieces and nephews and they live far away. So sometimes I get to FaceTime them and read books to them. And this is one of those books that I have already ordered and am looking forward to reading to my nieces and nephews. So uh, consider that. Um, uh, the link will be down below. Uh, thank you for hanging out with us here on The Naked Gospel. Thank you.